It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for joining. If this is your first time, welcome. And if you have listened to shows before, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got folks from the U.S., the U.K., Netherlands, Japan, Australia, Colombia, and Korea. So all over the world. And our guests today are from Australia and um, South Africa. So we are really a global family of midlifers here. And today's show is going to be all about getting courageous, changing your course, and finding your passion and purpose. So we are going to inspire you and hopefully get you a little unstuck because I find that is such a big issue with women at midlife. And so I'm going to give you some great tips to help you have some adventures, get in action, and also amplify joy, which is, I think, my absolute favorite emotion. Joy is like this inner happiness. You know, when you feel inside, you feel good about yourself, your life kind of creeps up on you. And I'm always so interested in so many midlife women really struggle with it. So we're gonna, I'm going to give you some tips around having more joy in your life. But I want to ask you a question. What are you focusing on? So now you're listening to the show, which is great because this is real upbeat, but think about, you know, the last couple hours, the last few days or weeks, what have you been focusing on? Everything that is going wrong in the world and things that are difficult in your life, are you focusing on the good things in your life and the good things in the world, the people that you love, the things that you love to do? This is such an important question and it's something that I constantly um, tune in and ask myself, what am I focusing in on today? When I get up in the morning, I do a little gratitude journal and talk, you know, really write down what would make today awesome. Because as Tony Robbins says, where your focus, where focus goes, energy flows. I'll say that again where focus goes, energy flows. And we are living in times where there's a lot of dark energy out there. And it's so easy to get sucked into the media and the news. And I'm not saying that you should totally put your head in the sand and ignore what's going on in the world. But I like to think about sort of having like a brick wall and peering over and knowing what's going on, but then really focusing on keeping my joy, my vibration super high. For me, it's been really important. If you've been listening to me, I am a breast cancer patient. So done with surgery radiation, now getting some chemical agents uh, for the next year, um, which are going really well, not doing chemo, but doing something called Herceptin. But it's so important for all of us to really get our joy on. I think we need to focus on joy now more than ever because joy is a bomb. So it, it's the bomb as well. So, you know, <laughs> if you are struggling and suffering, you gotta find time for joy. And I hear a lot of, you know, midlife women, they start to feel joy and, you know, they either feel guilty because they're doing something just for them, or this is really interesting that something that I've discovered working with clients, there's often some fear around experiencing joy because joy, and as we're gonna to talk today, we're gonna to talk a little bit about sailing and being on the edge, like when you're about to capsize, but joy is this energy that can really 
force you outside your comfort zone. You, you can feel overwhelmed with positive emotion, but there's this element of kind of uncertainty there. There's a little edginess to joy. And I think a lot of people, particularly midlife women, are playing it so safe, not leaning into any uncertainty that they kind of put the gabosh on joy. If that sounds familiar, I'd love to know. You can always reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. But I find that so much with my clients. And so it's so important. I'm going to give you some hints um, on amplifying joy because, it again, it's a bomb. It's healing. It is a creative energy. You know, all of us are creative beings, whether you are a writer or you craft or you cook or you play with your grandkids. We're all creative beings. And joy is such a creative energy. And it also uplifts our consciousness. So if you're feeling, you know, guilty about being joyful in your life and putting yourself first. Well, you feeling sad and frustrated and angry, any of those things doesn't lift the consciousness of others or the planet. So it uplifts your conscious. It gives you more energy to help others and help yourself. So here are some tips. First of all, I do this with all my clients. Make a list of what makes you joyful. What do you love to do? And this could be big things, small things. For me, one of my favorite things to do is I walk barefoot out along, along my property. I live on a gorgeous island and we have just planted amazing flowers. The previous owner was a florist and then we planted even more flowers and we've got these insane sunflowers with the bees and the birds. And I just walk around with my cup of tea in the morning. Lately, I've been taking long morning walks because it's hot. Um, with my dog, Rosie, who is a black border collie, so she appreciates that. But walking is something that always brings me joy. I have been walking, certainly since I've been a toddler, but having a walking practice and you know, unplugging and watching nature. Um, so make a list. What brings you joy? Think about music. Music is an awesome way to shift into a joyful place or talking to a good friend, thinking about maybe you know hula hooping or dancing. Think about what brings you joy. So make that list. And then when you start to feel frustrated or angry or sad, even take out your list and do something on your list. Maybe take yourself for that 10 minute walk or listen to some upbeat music that makes you feel joyful or dance like nobody's watching along around the living room. Call a good friend, play with your fur baby, do a puzzle, craft or color, do things that make you joyful every single day. And I promise you that will be transformed at that focus shift where you are focusing on what brings you joy, what uplifts you, and then making an intentional desire to bring joyful things into your every day. And then finally, look to your childhood. And I'm super excited. One of our guests today is going to be talking about her adventures with sailing. And I went sailing, um, I've, I grew up sailing and I haven't sailed in decades. And I went sailing about two weeks ago and my joy barometer was off the charts. My fear barometer was up there too because it was really, really um, windy. And I took the helm and I remembered how to do it, but it's so important. And one final thing is play with something called your destination vibration. It's something I write about in my book, Rock Your Midlife, but all you need to do is just visualize for like five, 10 minutes every day, preferably before you go to bed in the morning and when you wake up, a time in your life where you were joyful and happy. 
So really think about what were you doing? How did you feel? Who was there? Use all your emotions. Visualize it using all your senses. And doing that actually will attract more joy into your life. So those are some tips. Just make a list, pull your list out, bring joy into your day every single day, and then also find your destination vibration. And now we are going to talk about exercise and movement something that brings me so much joy that is so much fun with one of my favorite guests. She is Liz Grantham and she is from a company called theoptimal.me. If you haven't checked them out, they are a sponsor of our show. It is a membership website for the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent, energetic without pain or injury and feel confident that this phase of your life is the best phase yet. It's also filled with wonderful articles about things. Everything I saw went on gray hair the other day. I was like, right on. And there's wonderful recipes. There's an article about um, the blue zone. I know you guys are thinking about moving to the blue zone. Um, there, there's great information about nutrition, wellness, and, and certainly movement. Because, you know, as we age, our joints, you know, get some wear and tear. I was a runner for years, and I've always been an athlete, and I'm loving just really strengthening my joints and moving my body in all directions. We move so much in the sagittal back and forth plane, especially if you're walking, but it helps you move in all directions. So check them out. Your first 30 days are absolutely free. It's the optimal.me. And it is just such a great site for the midlifer who wants to really make their golden years amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about Liz. She has over 30 years experience in marketing and advertising, providing innovative, integrative, thoughtful solutions for multiple Fortune 500 clients. Her love of a challenge and making big things happen together with the need to manage the stress that comes along with running a business led her to her joyful journey to what has become the optimal.me. The com combination of hard work, experience, and endless curiosity together with the need to not only survive but thrive as she gets older led her to create the optimal.me so for liz the joy of finding long-term solutions to feel better and be excited about what's ahead is something worth sharing and that's exactly what she's going to do now she's going to tell us all about why we should be walking welcome to rock your midlife liz thank you it's so lovely to be back with you always a pleasure i'm a little envious you're in the northern hemisphere southern hemisphere so it's cool down there she's wearing it cashmere with all the, I know it's cold. With all those fires raging and extreme temperatures around the northern hemisphere, I must say I think that it's um, it's quite a difficult time for many people that are. I mean, they talk about older people, but I think I mean I do think about women that are in menopause because I mean living in that heat must also be totally extreme. Um, so yeah, just thinking of everybody that's that's cooking out there. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best hints I heard from someone who is a menopause expert is, is take a spray bottle and put lemon juice in it, lemon essential oils or lemon juice with some water and spritz it on yourself. So let's talk about walking because walking is a fabulous exercise. It's something if it is hot where you are, you can do it first thing in the morning. What are the benefits of walking, particularly for midlifers? So I think like everything, walking, you know, like any movement, walking is good for you. So, so the big things about movement is that it's less hard on your body obviously than running um 
it is it has multiple benefits, not only physical benefits. Of course, it's good for your bones. So for anybody that's kind of losing bone density and, and really most of us in midlife are losing bone density, walk, you know, good, fast, solid walking is very good for your bone density. I think it's excellent cardio exercise. So it's going to help reduce your risk of heart disease, etc. Walking is extraordinarily brilliant for stress. Um, you know, it is mindfulness in action, really walking. So I think that being out in nature, as we know, also helps you in terms of depression or anxiety. So, so walking is very holistic in terms of giving you all of the benefits of extraordinary high impact exercise. And outside of real, you know, getting a, a very tight butt and a very strong core, I mean, you're going to strengthen your body but you're not necessarily going to become all sculpted and extraordinary for walking, depending on the extent and uh, the level at which you walk. So I think walking is good for everything and it gives you a real sense of well-being. I think, um, and you're less likely to get injured walking than you are doing a lot of other things. Yeah. Plus it's free and easy and everybody knows how to do it. You don't really you don't need any equipment other than some shoes. I like to I, I like to go barefoot myself. Plus, it's also really good for brain health. I mean, there's so much research, not just depression, but even things like dementia, really, that shows when you're walking, when you're moving your body, your heart's beating, you're getting blood flow and nutrients to every part of your body. So can you get in shape just by walking? I definitely think a lot of people get in shape just from walking. And again, you know, we all are unique and different. I think one of the one of the core philosophies of the optimal me is that everybody has a unique body, a unique physiology, unique injury history, et cetera, et cetera. So how one incorporates walking, it depends on so many things, right? And what you want to get out of it. So, so for some people, Walking is a real, you know, this is part of their cardio in the week. They will, uh, you know, I have three different walking partners. Um, I don't like walking alone and nothing, you know, I, I'm just not going if I'm going by myself. Um, for me, it's really a time where I can, can sort of have community. So I have a walking partner who is fiercely fit and we walk at such a pace that I'm almost jogging. And she doesn't let up, up a hill, up a hill, you know, and we're checking what our pace is and go, go, go. And then I have a mid, kind of a mid-tempo walking partner. We do lots of hills and stairs and up and down, but much slower. And I recently joined a group of women who all walk, they, they get together on weekends and they walk. And some walk fast at the front, some walk slowly at the back. But they sort of gather in the middle of the walk and, and people move around and have different conversations about different things. And for many, um, it's survival. Walking for them is actually survival on a number of levels. And a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is about community. A lot of it is about finding joy, having different conversations with each other. Um, and they know that it's good for them. You know, they've got their furry friends along some. And, and so I think that walking is a complete, a complete exercise for us in midlife. And I love the, you know, the idea of doing it with friends, because mm -hmm. when I'm working with people, you know, how do you stay motivated and having an accountability buddy? I, th oh. I tell a lot of people get a dog. So I, I have to walk every day because mm. if I don't walk, my dog will start to bark incessantly um, to go out and do something unless it's too hot. But that's such a great idea to walk with groups of women. And I love what you said about 
um, it's preservation, right? I mean, I know like with my cancer diagnosis, radiation, I sailed through it because I walked every single day and the research really shows that people who are fitter are going to weather whatever happens to you so much better if they are in shape. And I also think walking addresses or, or, or can work for, for anybody, right? So if you are like you used to be, the mad fitness person, who was like, go, 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 everything was a challenge. You know, if it wasn't hard and fast, you weren't doing the job. You can walk really fast. You know, there's all kinds of walking. There's this wonderful Nordic walking with poles. You know, sometimes you see people out there with poles. And there's new research out showing that that's not only about your lower body. It's also about your upper body. So you're getting kind of a much more holistic workout if you really are wanting to do something harder. Um, you know, you can you can walk long and fast if that's what you're up to. So, you know, people are training to do the Camino Trail or to do big hikes. Um, you know, it gives it can give you an objective. And then there's some people that just are going to walk around their neighborhood regularly because it's the exercise that suits them. And I think you can start out slowly and be, be very mindful in your walking. You know, we as in midlife, the quickest way to lose 10 kilos and look 10 years younger is to work on your posture. And if you, yes, there you go. Up we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and if when you're walking, you walk in a way where you're mindful of your posture. And it, you, you know, there are all these things that one can do and incorporate into walking um, that really can make it exceptional, whether you're in recovery from illness. Um, you know, you don't have to always start out going very far. You can be going a few times a day around the block more uh, less more often with all movement is really in midlife the the answer and what research is showing us works best so i i think walking finding a finding a walking partner number one would be you know my first thing even if you don't have the greatest shoes find someone to walk with um because it is joy you know it's part of finding your joy and it's and it gets you out of a stuck mindset you know, when you are changing your environment and especially, you know, even if you're walking around a city suburb, you are still outdoors. You're still seeing different things. You're still being stimulated by beautiful window displays or by the, you know, trees and plants or other people's animals or somebody's gorgeous outfit or a couple who looks really happy walking along. You know, there is such, you get outside of yourself when you walk. And I think women have been walking for centuries, right? It's not a new thing. I mean, a lot of people thought that the pandemic kind of got people walking. But even, you know, in the greatest literature, people have been walking, women have been walking forever. And I think that it's part of us. You know, I think that as women in midlife, we need each other. We need people to talk to about what we're going through and experiencing. Um, we need people to pick us up or we need to pick somebody else up along the way or just to have some fun. And I think that... Um, walking is the can can really help all of us achieve those things. Yeah, the great hands, and I love the idea of training. My brother is actually walking the Appalachian Trail. He just retired, and he is walking the whole in, in bits and pieces. And I'm just I look at his adventures, and I'm just like, wow, it's it's a lot, but it is. It's so great to go with girlfriends and to make it social. I also tell people, you know, as a motivation, maybe listen to a really great book on tape, although I do like to have nothing in a lot and to be, mm -hmm. I love this idea of being very mindful, even again, and even in cities, mm -hmm. there's nature, there's always plants mm -hmm. and squirrels and birds mm -hmm. and all, all kinds of things. So 
How long do you feel like it takes to transform your body? So if someone's listening going, gosh, I've been like on the shelf, I should join a gym. What do I do? And of course, join the optimal.me because it's really a great site. But if someone wants to maybe join your site and also walk, how long would it take if someone's kind of a couch potato hasn't done much to, to get in shape? So, you know, I think that again, everyone's unique. So even a couch potato that has a has a good cellular memory of exercise from when they were younger will probably be able to walk a lot faster than someone who's maybe been ill and is trying to, you know, get through recovery and get back to optimal health and, and being able to move well. So I think, you know, anything, number one, is better than nothing. And people will go at different paces depending on where you're at. But I mean, I like to, you know, I, I certainly look, I'm quite fit and I, and I, I don't do a huge amount of very aggressive cardio exercise. But, you know, I can, I do three times a week, an hour at least, sometimes longer. Um, but I think for someone who's starting out, I would say, you know, even if you're going for a 15 minute or 10 minute walk around your block and you're doing that every day, if you can, and then, you know, you start working up to a longer, faster walk. Um, I have a friend who was decided that she was going to start doing 10,000 steps a day a few years back. And she was, you know, she was fairly overweight and she had not done exercise at all. And she lost enormous amounts of weight and got very fit fairly quickly. But she was completely fanatical about every day, whether she walked or was on her treadmill, she did 10,000 steps and as fast as she could. Um, I don't know, for me, that wouldn't be pleasurable. Um, so that wouldn't be my choice. So I think I mean, Ellen, you would know, isn't it about going as fast as you can, that you're feeling great and you keep on adding, you know, that you feel better and you feel a sense of achievement, whether you're doing it with a wearable, you know, some people are so inspired by that because they're always competing with themselves. You know, today I did a thousand steps, tomorrow I did 1500 or if you haven't been well. So I think that it's about making it, I, I mean, I can't answer that question because some people will work will will really transform quickly um and it's going to depend on how much you eat and it's going to depend on all sorts of things on on how walking transforms your body but you certainly will start feeling more energy and i think stronger and and kind of mentally a little more light um than doing than when you're doing nothing yeah, I think that's a really good point too. I think so often I see people when they start a fitness program and they don't get the results that they want right away, mm -hmm. they're apt to quit. So instead of focusing on, you know, how quickly you're transforming, notice how you're feeling. And then I also rarely recommend that people set SMART goals. So some that's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time sensitive. So I will walk Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and Sundays at 10 o'clock for mm -hmm. half an hour. And the, generally the recommendation is about 150 minutes a week for for you know like a comfortable pace and more like 75. I I really like to do a little bit of um, high intensity interval training and just sort of challenge my body. There's a lot of research around hit. They call it hit is is helpful. But if you're really just starting out, walking you know I'd obviously talk to your doctor first. But walking is is very safe and it, you will start to see changes. I also like to really um, make it again measurable. So either a time. 
So I'm going to walk for half an hour or I like steps personally, because I mm. steps are kind of fun and you can track it mm. over time. And I even like I was in Costco the other day, I always do like two, three thousand steps walking around <laughs> like big markets. Every that's a good point. Everything counts. So like if yeah. you're at work and you might like make mm. it a challenge, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, really, Using really. Using the stairs. Yep. You know, totally. so that so that you're getting fit, I think. You know what what i often think about and and you've got your your lovely guest regina coming on next she's going to talk about a, a far more physical um activity than walking but i think the point is is that we want to be functionally fit as we get older right we want to be able to twist and turn and and bend and do all kinds of things so i think like making making walking your walking practice starting out with a little stretch maybe um you know and then adding to that program so that as you say you want to do a little bit of hit exercise because that you know that that's good for you some people might want to be dancing in their bathrooms or the shower because that's actually going to also give you a, a kind of whole body um experience like optimal does you know when you do our little workouts you're getting a whole body experience so you do want to be adding things to walking but i think as start you know to start out walking is is a fantastic thing and and i I think for everybody, right? If you can walk, um, you should try and walk more. I mean, that would be kind of the one thing I'd say for those of us in cities with cars where we drive, you know, in Europe, people walk a lot. Um, I think if you live in Manhattan and work in Manhattan, you probably walk a lot. But a lot of us drive, you know, we get in our cars and drive where we're going. So, so I think that try and walk more, walk more in your garden, walk more in your neighborhood. Um, walk more on the weekends. You know, you often will be quite surprised at how quickly you can walk somewhere where you always drive. Um, you know, so so I think just adding more walking, adding more steps, um, and and it doesn't always have to. You know, we don't always have to be competitive with ourselves. I think that often puts people off. They don't really want to be competitive. Um, for those of us that are competitive, it's quite nice to be improving our step count or whatever. But but I think, you know, if you set your step count at whether it's 10,000 a day, or I think the new research is around seven and a half, eight for, for midlifers in terms of longevity goals, um, work towards it. I have some days where I don't even, where I barely do 3,000 steps if I've had a busy day at the office. Um, and, you know, I get a little bit horrified at it. But I think then the next day I make sure that I do more. You know, I'm conscious of it from when I wake up in the morning. So I think I think that, that what we should do is think about movement not always as a challenge, but actually as something that we want to incorporate into our lifestyle and make it a lifelong habit as we get older. And so I would say to those of you, of your listeners who are competitive, put your step counter on, do all those things, you know, make your appointments, get going, you know, challenge yourselves. But for those people that haven't done much, don't make it too hard because when it's too hard and you don't make your goals, as you say, you stop. So actually get yourself a buddy to walk with, even if it is your furry friend and just start and, and improve slowly. You know, there's no rush unless you actually are going off to do the Appalachian Trail or the Camino yeah. or sailing to the Caribbean and you need yeah. to get fit. Um, and, and that really is what I would what I would say to those people that are not already fit and are not competitive is I think don't be put off doing it 
because it all sounds like too much too soon. Yeah, make it enjoyable. And I always mm -hmm. tell people to think outside the box. So again, parking further away from the shopping center, asking, do I really need to take the car? And also I've had a lot of clients, particularly that people are working at home now, can you do a meeting while you walk? Or even if you're face to face, can you do, you know, we're so used to meeting for coffee or when you meet that girlfriend, can you meet and walk instead of going out for cocktails or your spouse, can you guys go for a walk? And so, you know, my man, Ken and I were always, taking walks and, and enjoying being outside. So um, any other thoughts about staying motivated? Oh, I'm sorry, actually we have to take a break. So we'll get back, we'll bring back, we'll talk about motivation. And then also we're gonna bring on Regina who's gonna tell us all about sailing. Thank you all so much for listening. This is Rock Your Midlife. If you wanna get in touch with me, it's themidlifewhisper.com. That's themidlifewhisper.com. And again, check out theoptimal.me for the midlifer who wants to make their next chapter their best chapter. We'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? 
Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Midlife. Hey, if you are enjoying the show, grab a girlfriend, let her know, and leave me a review. I would love to know what you think about the show. You can also reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. And I want to thank our sponsor, theoptimal.me. They are a proud, proud sponsor of Rock Your Midlife. The Optimal.me is a membership website for the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent, and energetic without pain or injury. And we've been talking to the founder of the Optimal.me, Liz Grantham. And before the break, we wanted to talk a little bit about motivation. So Liz, what's your one or two best tips for staying motivated with your walking program? I walk to the place where I get my favorite coffee. That's my that's my number one motivation for walking. <laughs> Is on our en route, we stop at my favorite coffee spot. Um, and I, luckily, I have a few. So, depending on how far we're walking. But if I'm not going to stop for coffee or have my delicious coffee at the end, um, I'm not that motivated. My second biggest motivator is that it's a real stress reliever for me. And walking with a friend is, you know, having that time out for me. I'm exercising and I'm, I'm working on my kind of stress levels and I'm out in nature and I'm giving myself a real dopamine kick and I know I'm going to feel better at the end. That is my second most important motivator. And I think for me, the third one is that if I can know that I'm going to walk somewhere where it's visually pleasing, I don't want to walk somewhere that's not pretty. Um, and that and that doesn't mean not in a suburb, but I just want to walk where I am going to be in nature and I am going to see green trees and plants and things because that is very good for me emotionally. So I think that, you know, finding what that, that kind of place is for oneself is important. And then for me comes the fitness level and the fact that, um, you know, I'm, I'm clocking up towards my 150 minutes a week or whatever I'm doing. Those are all secondary goals for me, but my first three are more about feeling well and feeling great than about a fitness level or how many steps I'm taking or, um, you know, what it's doing for my, I know it's good for me and I can feel that it's good for me. Um, so when I, when I'm going for my coffee, when coffee is my end goal, when I'm with, when I've got a friend that I can talk to, or, you know, I'm in the women's group where I'm meeting new people and having different conversations um, and then being out uh, and, and really getting rid of stress are my three biggest motivations. Yeah, it's so great. It's not because you're beating your body up because you don't love your body. It's just such a great way to feel good. So I want to introduce our next guest and have her ask you a question. And I have a question if you're listening. Have you ever dreamt about casting off the lines on your life and starting afresh? I know I have, and I've done that. How much would you be willing to give up to follow your hearts? Well, our next guest has done exactly that. She is Regina Petromeyer, and she was born and raised in Switzerland and worked as a travel agent for several years. Her curiosity was piqued by coordinating trips for her clients to all corners of the globe. And eventually, she packed her own bags, adopted a globe-trotting lifestyle. Regina has adventured across all the continents, enjoys meeting people and trying new foods, providing she can distinguish what's on her plate. And she has lived <laughs> and worked in Antigua, in the Caribbean, the U.S., New Zealand, and currently calls tropical Carnes, Australia, her home. She has no kids. She's unmarried and cherishes the 
the freedom that her life offers her alongside her love of exploring the world. She is equally curious and passionate about her inner journey and evolution. When she's not writing, I have to say her writing is beautiful. She helps people to become empowered, to embrace courage and follow their dreams. And her newest book and first book is uh, a memoir. It's called Change Of Course. I have been reading it. It is delightful and really, you're a beautiful writer. Well, welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Regina. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. It's a pleasure. And for getting up, Regina got up at four o'clock in the morning to join us. So that was very sweet of you. So before we, we dig into your story, do you have a question for Liz? Well, yes, I'm actually curious because I am a bit of a walker myself and I have done some long distance walks. And my question is heading you know, into midlife, is there something in particular I need to know about appropriate footwear? <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, we have a wonderful article on our site that actually talks to that about making sure that your footwear is, is appropriate for you. And I, and I would say for anybody that is going to go on a long walk or prepare for a long walk, actually going and consulting with a really good shoe specialist in terms of finding the right fit for the width of your foot, um, mm. you know, they, being advised on how much space you need in your shoes so that you're not going to batter your toes. Mm. Um, you know, I think for a long distance walk to actually really almost even be talking to a podiatrist up front as you're starting to plan about, you know, just them having a look to see that you're going to be fine, that you're not going to bruise your heels in your shoes. Um, because, you know, that can be a, an absolutely awful thing when you have bad shoes on. And then if you're doing a long walk, best you walk your shoes in before mm. you head out. Mm. Um, and, and I do think that that getting advice on good shoes is absolutely key um from a specialist you know from people that and there are wonderful professionals all around and there's such a choice of shoes right you know they choose shoes for narrow feet broader feet feet with bunions feet with you know inner in steps built up so i mean i i would just say that you definitely don't want to be hurting your feet while you walk that's such a great question. I know I don't have the greatest feet in the world. I've been really enjoying um, the barefoot walking shoes. I don't know if you've tried mm -hmm. those, but there's mm -hmm. a number of companies okay. that that really, I like to have shoes that let my feet breathe. I have no more high heels for me. It's all, mm -hmm. you know, uh, love sandals in the summer, things that you want support. But also I just find the human foot can um, develop and grow its own musculature. But sometimes you have to do this balance between too much support, not a lot of support, mm. just protection. So I know I like to wear a lot of different footwear, but you might want to check out some of those um, shoes that are minimalist because they're pretty cool. Depending so, on the surface you're going to walk on. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So let's switching gears to sailing. Um, though, I guess my first question, I'm so curious, how the heck did you get the courage and clarity to just be like, I you know, start reading the book and just like, I'm just gonna sign up and be a crew somewhere and go sail the world. Um, how did you abandon security and comfort and just follow your dream? Well, um, I guess the, the, they're two separate things. So the courage for me was um, quite um, a step-by-step -step process. So I had to learn skills. I educated myself on anything to do with sailing. I read books. And of course, I had to make sure I, have, I had some money. And I think I look at those things as the, um, the base of courage, you know, that allowed me to then step out. The, the clarity, I think, 
you know, we, uh, well, in my case, I was actually looking for clarity for my life. And, uh, but the clarity to actually go sailing, I think that came more from sort of that pinch, you know, of being stuck and not having a purpose. And I just knew that I actually had to do something different. You know, I couldn't continue. Um, I knew at the time there was something underlying that was giving me, you know, some pain. And I guess that's, that was more of the driver actually toward the adventure. I love that. And I think it's at such an important point too, that you have to make sure that you have resources. You know, I talked to and, and coach so many women and I'm not like quit your job, leave. And mm. a lot of them, you know, can't just jump on a boat and do that, mm. but make sure that you've got the resources and the backing that you need. But it is at some point you have to kind of take that leap. Mm. Did you have yeah, fears and right. doubts as you were kind of thinking about doing this? <laughs> Lots, of course, a lot. You know, um, I, I think whenever you step out of a comfort zone, you know, doubt's going to be your best friend. <laughs> and I think sometimes we have to listen to doubt, you know, um, especially if you step on a stranger's sailing boat, you, you have to listen mm. to your gut feeling. If your gut feeling tells you this is not... Um, a safe situation or something just feels off you need to get off um so i think yes of course i uh, um had a lot of doubt but i think for me the underlying driver was that i wanted the adventure i wanted to explore i wanted to experience something different yeah, that is so powerful. I think in midlife, we get so dug in because we've got, you know, all of the security and the brain isn't interested in us being happy or joyful. It just wants to keep us safe. So mm. although sailing the world is incredibly exciting and joyful and uh, just incredible adventure, I think that part of our brain that says, uh, no, stay small, stay safe, jumps in there a lot. And we have to both listen to our gut, as you were saying, and at the same time, step outside our comfort zone. But you don't need to go on a sailing ship to do it. There are many ways to do that. So let's talk about how do, how do you get, what is empowerment to you and how do you develop it? Someone's listening going, gosh, I don't even know. How do I become empowered and develop it? And what is that? Well, for me, empowerment is really um, the ability to make my own decisions and then follow through with them. You know, I think um, I had this one really powerful moment in, in my story where I was in Switzerland and my long-term relationship had just broken up. And for the first time in my life, you know, from when I left home and entered the relationship, I felt like I was completely free and I was untethered. I didn't have a home. Um, all I had was the backpack on my back. But it was also when I realized that I actually have responsibility responsibility toward myself. And I think that's sort of the balance that we have to juggle, you know, that freedom comes with the responsibility also to look after ourselves. And um, then the other um, how I build empowerment is basically for me, again, it's about knowledge, you know, sort of getting skilled, skilled, build my resilience, uh, which I mean, don't be afraid of failing. 
and and trust yourself you know go and give it a shot and if it doesn't work out you know so what try again <laughs> yeah, that that is great. It's like you know having the knowledge, the experience, and you know maybe not having to to go as extreme as you did, but it must have been this incredible balance between sort of freedom, but also fear about can I really do this thing? Like getting ready to really mm. jump off the cliff. So I'm curious, where does sailing come in? So you know, obviously the book, your book, uh, change of course is about your sailing adventures, but you're from Switzerland, which is a landlocked country. So how the heck did you get this incredible uh, desire to sail? Um, I stepped my feet on a yacht the very first time when I was about 10 years old. Um, my parents had divorced and my dad bought a sailing yacht. So whenever I visited him, um, you know, we would go out on the lake in Switzerland. And I still remember this really vividly, you know, and uh, it, it was just magic to be out on the boat on the lake and you know you mentioned before the joy of being on a boat and for me it's usually you know the twinkling of the sunlight as it hits the water surface and I just think it's just such a beautiful dance of light so that's what I remember from being a 10 year old girl and then it sort of disappeared into the background I'd always kind of wanted to travel by boat but my long-term partner got seasick. So it was never an option. And that's why when we were sort of at a point where our relationship had been floundering, where we decided we needed some time apart. And I guess he had a, a really good job at the time. I was unemployed. And so the decision was made, all right, you know what, go and fulfill your sailing dream. And I don't have to get sick whilst you do it. <laughs> Yeah, and there is something that I know that there's this magical moment when you the, the sails are set, the wind is taking you, just mm. moving just with the wind and the quiet and the peace and just the, mm. you know, I think fine sailing is very empowering. I, I was overwhelmed when I went sailing a couple of weeks ago because I had a love-hate relationship with it as a kid. I grew up and my parents made me go on the boat because I was a little kid and I had to go with them. They sailed every single weekend. So I didn't love being with them, but I went to sailing camp for years. And it was just, just as an adult, really appreciated being able to move when, especially in this day and age where, you know, gas is so expensive and, you know, engines are so noisy, that sense of, like you said, when the, when everything's perfect and your, your sails are set and you're hitting your destination, it is an incredible, it's like flying. Mm, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so I think it's nicer than flying because you're yeah. you know, you're, you're you're kind of in in the elements as mm. opposed to you know in the metal of a plane. So I mean, a a boat and and being on the water is sort of I think more almost more freedom, you know, because yeah. you're sort of much closer to the to elements. the elements. Mm. Yeah, it is an amazing feel, uh, feeling. So in your story, you, t you uh, joined several sailing boats as a crew. So can you tell us a little bit about how people can be a crew or what that experience was like for you? And also that, you know, I, again, as you, you alluded to, like just getting on a boat with a bunch of strangers and how you kind of decided like where to go and how people could do it. Someone's listening saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a single, I'm 50, I'm looking to do something crazy mm. and fun. And how do you go about joining a crew well for me uh it was really interesting how i learned about it and it was actually by reading a book 
you know, I had no idea that that was even an option. So when I uh, was reading that book, it was Lionheart at the time. Um, I was just, my mind was blown and I immediately went onto the website and I looked up uh, crewing websites. So there's, you know, many different crewing websites. Find a crew is probably uh, one of the biggest ones uh, these days. Um, I suggest go on there, you know, put a profile up, make sure, you know, um, you make it look semi not, not professional, that's the wrong word to use, but, you know, like use your common sense um, when you put up a profile there because you don't, you don't want to attract the wrong kind of people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, when I, when I went about actually crewing, um, what I did is I made sure I had email contact and then we did, you know, Skype or Zoom meetings and we would actually discuss the plans we would discuss when i would get on the boat who else is on the boat where were they from so you have to uh, do a little bit of a, a a check i suppose and it's hard to do a background check because you don't know the people so don't feel afraid also to ask for references you know if you're really like i did i flew halfway around the world um you might want to know a little bit more about the people that you're about to join. And then for me, it really was about um, getting there and, you know, settling in on the boat, give yourself, you know, a few days. And really, if it feels wrong, it feels wrong, step off. You know, there's no obligation. You should not go on a boat trip with someone that you don't feel comfortable with. It was nice that you had some initial practice. And I have to say, I love mm. that you stood up to the owner of the boat. He <laughs> called you a bitch and you were like, you can't call me that. I love that you were empowered and you sort of really stood your ground and, and demanded respect. Oh, uh, look, I, um, I have a bit of a temper. <laughs> and if you push the wrong buttons, you'll get the better of it. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is a good read. So tell us about what was the most memorable moment that you talk about in the book and why? For me, the, the most memorable moment is interesting because when you did the intro, I was like, oh my God, you're talking about my most memorable moment. And it, it was on my first transatlantic passage, right? And we had atrocious conditions. It was really, really rough. And uh, we had massive tall waves and big rolling swell was lifting up the boat. You know, sometimes we'd be in a trough of a wave and we wouldn't see either side of the boat. And when you were at the top, all you could see was these gray waves all to the horizon, no other boat. It was just, it was kind of an angry, you know, looking sky and sea. And anyway, I was up for my day watch, which was four hours. And on a whim, I sort of decided I would like to steer the boat. So I asked the skipper if I could do that. And to my surprise, he agreed. And I asked him to uh, play Pink Floyd at full blast. <laughs> and, you know, we closed the door to down below. So I was completely by myself. And I had this 50 foot yacht and, you know, I would surf down waves. And at the trough, I had to adjust the course and we would gradually climb our way up the face of the next oncoming wave waves would smash into the bow and you know i would be completely drenched 
um, with the spray. And but what really surprised me even then was, you know, it was cold. I was soaked. My muscles were tired, but I felt so thrilled and excited at the time because um, I guess I was really present in the moment, you know, and that's Troy. I was just absolutely mesmerized by this natural spectacle that was unfolding. And I wasn't even afraid. You know, I was just, it was the waves, the boat and myself. And it was amazing. It's really one of my most treasured memories to this day. And what, see, were you, was that when you were going from Antigua to um, Australia? No. no. Um, so that trip actually didn't happen. So um, it, it, that was an interesting story. So I crewed on the first boat and um, we got on and we were working on that particular, that particular yacht for several weeks to get it ready for the trip. But then, of course, you know, when you spent a lot of time with a few people, uh, in close confines, you know, tensions can ensue. And um, so two of the crew ended up leaving the boat shortly before we were meant to depart. And the trip fell, fell apart. And that's um, how I also ended up stranded in Antigua for a while. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we only have a few minutes left. I know Liz has is, is definitely got questions for you. So Liz, do you have a question <laughs> for Regina? Yeah, I mean, I like much gentler sailing than what you went through. And listening <laughs> to your story, I was like, oh, my word, I'm not sure that I would cope by myself, you know, steering a boat through a storm. Um, I like a, a sort of slightly gentler version of sailing where the shore is not mm. um, that far. Um, so so your, tell me about your, your, I mean, obviously, it takes incredible mental strength to to sail and be out on a boat i think that we you know we can take that to the bank that you are incredibly emotionally strong but how did you you know from a physical perspective to be doing that kind of work requires a, a real level of strength and fitness so i'm i'm sure you weren't that prepared when you got on the boat how did you manage your way through that um as time went on well you, you know interestingly enough the the bigger boat you get on the less work there is work there actually is. Mm. <laughs> and when you that's do a button. passage that's yeah. it when when you do a long passage you know you hoist the sails and then in some occasions you leave them for a week you know mm. and you might do minor adjustments so fitness in that sense like to do the actual physical sailing isn't that big not what what made me fit was the preparation on the first boat you know really working um we had to sew and you know just there was a lot of physical preparation mm -hmm. to do and then the other part during a passage the boat is always moving so mm -hmm. you know when you're talking about walking and adjusting to ground that's exactly the same on a boat and it doesn't stop it's 24 hours a day so one thing i noticed I get super hungry on a boat. And I think that's the reason because all day, even at night, sometimes mm. you have to physically hold on to the bed if it's and, moving that much. And to keep your balance, right? I'm sure mm. that your core mm. must be, have been extraordinarily strong after you know doing that mm. for 10 days or three weeks or however long it took you to always be keeping your balance. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. 
So for everyone who's going to chase after this dream, <laughs> best that they work on their <laughs> balance before they head out. Yeah, go to the optimal me, work on your balance, work on your strength. I know you were you were saying when you were first on, you got all kinds of blisters from the the pulling in the sheets and the winches and all of that. Mm. So incredible story. So I want to encourage listeners, grab the book. It is called Change of Course by Regina Petromeyer. And I think your website is also reginapetromeyer.com. Yes, that's correct. And it is a great book. I am in starting it. I'm about a third of the way through. Really fascinating. And please do check out the optimal.me. I am enjoying it. It's a fantastic site wherever you are, whether you are have been a jock your whole life and are training for a marathon or you are just getting started with fitness, you will find amazing classes as well as just great articles. And your first 30 days are absolutely free. They actually have a whole program that will look at your fitness level and tell you exactly what to do. So it's super fun, easy to use. Liz, thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure to speak with you again. And Regina, thank you so much. And thank you all of you for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of Rock Your Midlife. If you want to get in touch with me, just head on over to the Midlife Whisper. That's the midlifewhisper.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please leave me a review. I would love to know what you think and tell your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.